On December 15, 2017, a real estate agent brings a couple of prospective buyers to view a $7 million Toronto mansion that belongs to billionaire owners Barry and Honey Sherman. As the real estate agent Elise Stern walks the potential buyers throughout the home, they first start on the main floor before heading upstairs, and then after this, the three head back down to the main level so they can then go down another flight of stairs to see the basement and the indoor pool. But as the trio goes down the basement stairs, they instantly become annoyed and creeped out when they see what looks like a fake murder scene that's staged with two mannequins in the distance. But as they begin to step closer, a horrific realization occurs when what they see is these aren't mannequins, but really this is the billionaire couple Barry and Honey Sherman. The couple were both fully clothed and seated side by side at the entrance of the pool. Both had their necks wrapped tightly around the pool's three foot railing, causing their bodies to be partially suspended upwards. Both also had their backs turned towards the pool itself. To make things even stranger, both also had their winter coats slid off the back of their shoulders to force their arms behind their back. 70-year-old Honey Sherman had bruising around her face and was slumped slightly to one side, while 75-year-old Barry had his legs stretched out in front of him and his feet crossed at the ankles. The news of this grisly murder of an elite billionaire couple first shocked Canadians before the news began to ripple across the headlines worldwide. Barry and Honey Sherman had been married for 40 years and were well-known philanthropists. In fact, the duo was known as one of Canada's wealthiest and best-known couples. Barry was the founder and chairman of Apotex Inc., a generic big pharma giant, and collectively the couple's fortune was estimated to be worth $3.6 billion. And with this fortune, they continued to give back and supported multiple charities and organizations by donating millions. So when they were found dead in their home, it was shocking since both were popular and considered to be good people. However, once the realtor called the police after finding the bodies, instantly the investigation was mishandled. I read that the police who first arrived on site misread multiple obvious clues. And in an interview with reporters outside of the home that same day, the police shared that there were no signs of forced entry, and then they then added that they were not actively looking for any suspects. So, given this official statement, the media ran wild with this and started to paint the headlines of billionaire murder-suicide. And allegedly, that wife, 70-year-old Honey, was killed by her 75-year-old husband, Barry, before he then took his own life. Needless to say, the couple's four children were not pleased with this outcome, and in my opinion, this case screams internal corruption. Since right off the bat, why would the police be so quick to dismiss this crime? Typically, police keep things vague in initial press conferences and note that the investigation is still active. So I can't help but think that the press conference was intentional. It was almost like it was a way to control the narrative from the beginning, giving the media just enough info to let them run wild with the headlines. In fact, the children of Barry and Honey felt it was necessary to publicly release a statement to defend the character of both their parents. For starters, the couple got along perfectly, and even after 40 years of marriage, they were still smitten. Together, they had both lived in that home that they were murdered in for 20 years, but in 2017, the couple decided it was time to move to another elite area that was closer to the city. So they had purchased already a new property in Forest Hill and demolished the original house with plans to build their own dream home. In fact, only two days before their murders, the couple had an appointment with their architect who was building their new home. So clearly this shows that the couple was thinking towards their future and planning on living. Also, it's worth mentioning that 75-year-old Barry was not in great physical shape. 
He was not exercising regularly and had limited strength, compared to his wife Honey who was 5 years younger and was extremely physically active. So the odds of him forcibly strangling her and then wrapping her with a belt is slim. Clearly frustrated by the findings from the local police, the children in the Shermans hired their own private investigators and pathologists for a second autopsy. These insights all supported the conclusion that the police failed to identify key things. For starters, subtle impressions were left on both Barry and Honey's wrists, indicating that both were restrained. This was not noted in the police investigation. Also, the private investigators were able to determine that the length of the belt that Barry had wrapped around his neck was too short and that it would have actually prevented him from getting the necessary leverage to hang himself. Furthermore, if somebody was going to hang themselves, their body typically thrashes around involuntarily as they're attempting to breathe, kicking their legs, so finding Barry with his legs perfectly crossed out in front of him is a bit suspicious. It was also noted that Barry was found with his glasses on still perfectly straight, and you would think if somebody was going to hang themselves backwards on a three-foot pool railing that their glasses would have probably fallen off of their face or potentially slid out of place maybe when they were gasping and breathing for air. Faced with this obvious evidence, the police were initially hesitant and took over a month, but eventually they changed their official opinion about the case from a murder-suicide to a targeted double homicide. And while this was occurring, the children still had their own private investigators working, and this is when they began to identify additional negligence related to the forensic evidence and the case overall. When the crime scene was first secured by the police, the area surrounding the bodies was never vacuumed. This is the best practice to collect any evidence of fibers or hairs, but this was not done. Additionally, those who were in the home, for example, the realtor and prospect buyers, were never actually fingerprinted to compare the prints that were found on scene. On top of this, there were also countless palm and fingerprints left behind that were overlooked by the police. Police were so bold to state that there were no forced signs of entry since there was no physical broken windows or doors. Private investigators, however, were able to determine that there were a total of nine different ways to enter the home, and there was even a lockbox that was located outside of the house that had the keys for the realtor. So it's clear that forensic evidence in this case was either intentionally or unintentionally overlooked. As months continued to pass, police interest in the case continued to decline, and a year later, only one police officer was still investigating the case full time. When we take a step back and we look at this case, motive is a key factor. Like I mentioned earlier, Barry was the founder and chairman of a generic pharmaceutical company, Apotex, Canada's largest producer of generic drugs. So this man was directly tied to a multi-billion dollar industry, so of course there would be motive to kill him, whether it's from a competitor who wanted to potentially buy the company, or someone who he had wronged in the game of business, there had to be multiple people who would have benefited from his death. Since Barry's business was all about providing cheaper alternatives to brand name prescriptions, so ultimately this caused big brand name companies and big pharma to lose billions since Barry's company was essentially producing their same prescription but for cheaper. In fact, Bayer AG, a German multinational pharma and biotech company, believed that Apotex was in violation of its protective patents, and it's been alleged that employees associated with Bayer AG actually tried to extract confidential information from the employees at Apotex. Aside from this, Barry also had business deals with questionable people. For example, he financially backed a nutritional supplement that was pitched by a two-time felon. He also once made an investment in a yacht chartering company that turned out to be a big scam. Lastly, Barry also had press charges against an online trivia game when his investment money suddenly went missing. 
On top of this, Barry's own family had its own questionable past. It was known that Barry would help support his uncle's children by providing them money to help them on multiple occasions. And at least one of his nephews and nieces were addicted to drugs. In fact, they actually tried to file legal suit against him, claiming that since he initially created his company with capital from their father's company, they felt they were entitled to profits from Apotex. Turns out that this legal situation went back and forth for 10 years before the nephew and nieces lost. And after this long drawn out case, the anger and resentment I'm sure only continued to grow, especially when the court ordered that the nephews and nieces pay for Barry's legal expenses in court, which had to be astounding after 10 years in litigation. And not too long after this verdict, this is when Barry and Honey ended up dead. Although in some way, Barry did get the last laugh when his attorneys filed an appeal to request additional money from the nephews and nieces on the day that he was buried. To this day, however, the case has still not been solved and Barry and Honey's children have actually offered a $35 million reward to catch the killer. This is one of those cases that's infuriating because it seems like it was so simple initially to solve this case, but whether it was just really bad, awful police work or it was intentionally bad police work where things were purposely not identified because of who knows, bribery or some kind of threats. It just, it all seems very fishy here. I mean, the facts are there. The kids hired their own private investigators that were able to determine all of these additional details and shortcomings of the police. So you can't help but wonder. It seems odd though to me that the police were so optic sweep it under the rug and write this off as a murder or suicide when, I don't know about you, but if somebody was going to off themselves, hanging themselves with a belt on a three foot pool railing seems like an awful way to go. I mean, I don't condone in any regards, but why would somebody do that? Out of all the ways, hanging themselves by a three-foot pool rod seems just outlandish to me, honestly. But if you've gotten this far, I would like to thank you for taking the time to tune into this Unboxing History podcast. Here, I'm going to continue to focus on these unsolved crimes and cases since, honestly, I find them fascinating, even more so than the ones that are already solved. If you've enjoyed this story and this podcast, please do me a favor and leave a review so this way people could see that it's not utterly crap. <laughs> but until the next one, I hope you're having a lovely week and I will see you next Wednesday to unbox another case.